friends. You are listening to JOY, a podcast from St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. I am the Reverend Mary Vano, and today my guest host is Adam Sullivan. Adam is a director and producer of live theater, as well as a husband and a dad and a home chef and a member of our Uh, church vestry. (laughs) Thank you, Adam, for being here, and thanks to all of you for joining us. This is our first podcast, and what we're hoping to do here is simply to have a good conversation about theology, spirituality, and faithful living. So tell me what the title is about. I, I guessed correctly when I looked at it because I'd heard the old Sunday school Sunday lesson school too. Lesson. But, but tell me about the title, Mary. Yeah. So the name comes from that old Sunday school lesson. Uh, I learned it uh, from my father who learned it when he was in Sunday school as a child. And it's simple. It just goes like this, that we can experience joy Uh, when you put Jesus first in your life and then others before yourself. Now, as I have gotten older and developed my own theological imagination, I have begun to prefer a less linear and more dynamic understanding of that relationship. I think of it as perichoresis. That is a fancy word, a Greek word that theologians use to describe the relationship of the Trinity. Peri, P-E-R-I, means about, and choresis, the last part of that word, is the same root from which we get the word choreography. So it's a way of describing God as existing in this divine dance. We understand that God is one. We also understand that God is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in that three, they are co-equal and co-eternal. God is ever moving and ever loving. And my favorite part of this understanding of the Trinity is that This God who exists in love, in loving relationship, is also always reaching out to draw us into this dance. So that's how I'm imagining this podcast. Jesus is inviting us into a conversation. The others, myself and a guest host each week, will discuss topics that will draw us more deeply into the love of God. And then our podcast isn't complete until you are there. So you are invited to listen, to send in your comments, ask questions, nominate guest hosts, and suggest topics. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says to abide in his love. And then he says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I think that joy is what God desires for us. I hope that joy is what we can share in this podcast. So that's what I hope to do. I think that's what our goal is. Adam, what do you you think about joy? What does joy mean to you? We were talking about this before when we were kind of in the before conversation. It's, I don't, joy is in some respects kind of fluid (laughs) right now, Mm -hmm. just because of the way that things are going. It's, in some ways, joy is harder to find right now because of the restrictions and, you know, the ways that people are suffering from quarantining themselves or the way that people are suffering from having loved ones who are sick or who have died or having loved ones who are taking care of the sick people that you think about all the scary things. It's like in some ways joy is harder to find, but then there are in some ways joy is, it's paradoxical, but in some ways joy is easier to find because with the restrictions like the other day, we were, we've done this a few times. I don't know if you go to Le Pops down in the Heights area ever. Mm. If you don't, if you haven't been there, you should go. They've got gourmet 
like iced lollipops. It's great. Mm -hmm. There's free buzz marketing lollipops. Um, hit me up with some coupons or something. (laughs) Um, But we went down there and they'll bring it out to your car. But just being in the car, the three of us out of our house, driving, seeing trees, seeing sky and going around. I mean, that is a joyful thing now. Whereas before it's so run of the mill that I don't know if we would have felt the joy in such a simple thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there are moments like that and getting out and in the, you know, the splash pool yesterday, I told you we bought the inflatable pool. There's joy in that because it's something special. So it, yeah, it's yeah. weird. Joy is a harder or well, I don't, let's just say different. It's different to find because of the way the world is right now. Oh, well, I get that. I, joy is sometimes kind of hard to define because we spend so much of our lives kind of talking about happiness feeling happy, searching for your happiness. And to me, I I don't know if this is a dictionary definition, but I've always understood to be like, happiness is more of a surface emotion Mm -hmm. that can come and go as the events of the day unfold. It can be a bad day and you won't feel happy and then you'll have a good day and you will feel happy. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought of joy as actually being deeper under the surface so that I can be having a bad day, but if I know deep down that everything's gonna be okay, that Mm -hmm. God is here with me, then I can still have that deeper sense of joy, of goodness. That's kind of what I think joy is. said that joy can be in some ways harder to find because of the hardships we're experiencing, but also it's there, like around you when you look. Mm -hmm. Are there any specific moments when you experience joy? Where do you look for it? Being with my family so much right now, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the thing that I, I, that's the thing, I don't know. I mean, that's the bulk of my experiences right now, because we are doing the whole shelter in place thing pretty devoutly. I mean, we're, we're very serious about all of that. And we've tried to indoctrinate, if you will, our families to um, abide by the same type of stuff because, you know, not trying to be, cause I saw something on Facebook today about, you know, the difference of, you know, being fearful and being controlled by the world as opposed to trying to say, I'm proactively trying to help my community by this sheltering behavior. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the bulk of our experience right now. So like I mentioned earlier, it's almost like life has been at least put on slow motion a little bit because we have so much time together as a family that, I mean, it does force me to um, pay attention to what joy is there in our lives now. Mm-hmm. Um, or is supplied by each other or the things that we have that we know so many other people don't, whether it's food, mm-hmm. whether it's the money to live or yeah, again, I think about buying food, just having the necessities or our health, a safe, warm place to be. And there are a lot of folks that don't have that. So trying to really, I mean, it is kind of a live in the moment thing. And you mentioned that earlier being present and seeing the joy because if you if you get overwhelmed by everything, the joy is what you think, well, where is all the joy? But if you mm-hmm. stop and live in the moment, then you notice that there are joyous things around us. Yeah. 
It is kind of all around us. So it can help to actually slow down and focus in to find the joy. Yeah. And you were mentioning the thing, the difference between happiness and joy. And yeah, and I've for a long time had held the belief that happiness and joy don't mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. But then when I was thinking about, you know, in preparing my thoughts for talking to you today, I thought, well, from a definition standpoint, so I did look it up in the dictionary. You said you oh, didn't. I, <laughs> I, I did. So I'm going to talk to Excellent. Miriam Webster again. Um, and it's weird because I was thinking, you know, the root of it in, because if you think happiness, so joy, let me back up. So if joy, if you're thinking of an overall happiness with the world, you might think of it as contentment. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, but the, for instance, the word for happiness in Spanish is contentamente which mm-hmm. of course you think about being happy with your world. So I'm like, Oh no, did I, have I been misunderstanding this the whole time? So first definition, according to Miriam Webster, uh-huh. a state of well-being and contentment, joy. So maybe that's where it started, but then it got to that second definition. And I think that this is why you and I felt the way we did. Uh-huh. That it says B or the second definition, um, a pleasurable or satisfying experience. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of what it's become. That feels like what happiness yeah. That what people think of for happiness. Now, happiness is having a good time. Happiness is feeling pleasure or being satisfied with something. Mm-hmm. And I think where it maybe diverges from joy. Mm-hmm. So the definition for joy, as it said, and again, it, it was a lot more synonymous than I really, I guess I had made myself think. It's the first <laughs> definition of joy, the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So... But then later it says it's just a state of happiness or a source or cause of delight. Well, that's really interesting. Possessing what we desire. We could take that to mean, you know, having the objects that we want in life. Or we could also take that to mean possessing the sort of state of being or... I don't know. I'd like to almost turn that around and, you know, not... I'm not sure I'm happiest when I possess what... I want, or when I feel like I belong, like being possessed by God, being owned, belonging in God. To me, there's a deeper joy in that than in having that new iPhone or whatever that I think I want. Yeah. I mean, but also there's a difference because I realize that, Mm -hmm. I mean, the any of the dictionaries, they're not written as biblical texts or anything. So, I mean, there's going to be a secular focus. So if you think Mm -hmm. if we are different than the world, you know, in the world, but not of it, if you're thinking that way, that yeah, Mm -hmm. Christian joy, I mean, should have a different context to it. So if you're thinking Mm -hmm. it's not just about having what I want, but then if you're thinking what I want is what God wants for me, Mm -hmm. or what I want is to make a difference, a positive Christian difference in somebody's life, then, I mean, it still works. It's just your focus is different. That's right. A different way of seeing the world, which we can call faith. That's one way to understand what faith is, is being able to see the world as God sees it in some way, or trusting in God's vision of the world. What do you find is bringing joy for you right now in your life? Well, like you, joy, depending on the day, seems 
hard to find or right there. We too have struggled with staying at home and the different rhythm of life right now. Worried about the state of the world, worried about our neighbors and friends and family. And then at other times, discovering that there's a lot of goodness all around us. You know, over the past year, I have been studying the Enneagram with apologies, because I understand not everybody knows much about the Enneagram. A, a brief explanation would be to say that the Enneagram is a kind of ancient wisdom that's sort of a personality typing system. I was skeptical about the Enneagram at first because it looked just like yet another personality typing system. But mm -hmm. I've come to understand that, well, what I like about it is that you learn to understand yourself better, but you also are able to see more clearly the kind of traps that you are likely to get into on a regular basis. <laughs> and then how you can learn to avoid some of those traps and how you can grow. So, so it's really actually very dynamic. I've enjoyed learning about it. For the most part, you, there's also when you're learning the Enneagram, when you first discover your own type, usually um, you don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you go straight for the stuff. It's like, this is right, the bad this, stuff. This is it. the bad stuff about you. <laughs> so I have learned that I'm a one on the Enneagram. The good thing about being a one is that I really just want to make the world a better place. That's kind of who I am. I have a vision for what that could be. And I'm always looking for that, trying to work for that. The not so good thing about being a one is that it's really easy for me to notice every time something is wrong or every time something could be improved. So that's me. In other words, uh, if you did not know this about me, I have a really strong critical voice, <laughs> which is usually directed at me. So what I've learned, though, as I've studied the Enneagram and Enneagram wisdom says that you actually have some natural other personality types to which you can move. So according to this theory, in my healthiest moments, I get to go and enjoy some of the natural gifts of the type seven on the Enneagram. And uh, the people who are sevens, these are fun, loving people. These are people who can just look around them and see what is good and exciting and go and enjoy it. And so when I'm in a healthy place, I get to go experience that a little bit, really just savoring the goodness of life. To get there, what I have to do is I have to stop and, well, I have to stop criticizing <laughs> long enough to, to see that things are okay, that they're actually quite wonderful. So for instance, my kids, you know, my kids are not perfect. As any parent, I have my worries for them, but I can stop sometimes and just recognize how good they are, how much joy they bring to our lives just by being them. Like I said, they're not perfect, but they are good. And in those good moments, I can enjoy that. Or for another example, with our church community, my natural state is just to be striving, always working to write that next better than ever sermon, or, or I might be focused on meeting the next challenge or solving a problem that's come up. But on occasion, I'm able to step back and see that everything already is actually quite beautiful. I can see that we have a community that loves one another. It is imperfect, but it is also really good.
And so I think what I'm understanding from the Enneagram is that joy might look different for different people or the path to joy might be different for different people. Mm. But I have I have discovered that when I can stop criticizing, (laughs) 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 then I get this whole new joyful world can really be opened up to me. And I can find that there is goodness if I will be willing to look at it and accept that and enjoy it. thing that has come out of all this pandemic stuff is there have been some reactions like it to the positive because you hear all the horrible news of how people are Mm -hmm. being negatively affected but you've seen some folks who are saying hey let's focus on some good stuff and and again it's not that that hadn't happened before but i i think maybe it is a little more i don't maybe more people are doing it or at least more people are seeking it out now because they're looking for things that can bring them joy or happiness and I don't know, the, these times for us, of course, it's totally different. And you know, I don't know, I'm thinking of people who have undergone hardship in the past. And of course, how we find joy in the 21st century is much different than, because there are all these comparisons mm-hmm. to the, you know, the 1918 flu yes. pandemic. So how people in, you know, 100 years ago found joy is much different than how we find joy today. I think I'm an Enneagram number one, too. I actually think oh. I do, because Elizabeth did this for her work. Uh-huh. Um, and I took the test. And the reason I only hesitate on that is because I don't have the exact same results stuff that she had, but I'm pretty sure it was a number one. And I was just looking it up a second ago. And the one that I saw, or at least what I found this time is number one is the reformer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the version of it you saw, but the one that I had taken that she got ac- that she had access to was the perfectionist. And I was like, yep, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, that names me more than the reformer. Yeah. So you may have more of the reformer side of things, but I have more of the perfectionist side of things, which has been my downfall uh, on occasion. But yeah, there's there's a the way the world should be. And when people get out of line, I want to be like, no, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. Perfection can be the enemy of the good. And I see all kinds of... Um, sort of loud voices on social media um, who, you know, sometimes I can absolutely agree with what, where people are coming from, but I do begin to question whether constantly yelling into the void (laughs) (laughs) sort of at one another, it can ramp us up in a way that it's not really helpful. And people stop listening at a certain point. If they listen to it ever, they just get tired of it. They're, you know, it's kind of metaphorically, you know, you scream until their ears start bleeding and they're like, I'm done. I want to step away. And then they're not listening to anything you say, even if any, something you said might have been truth or helpful. And I do think it's really important to try to know and understand what is happening around us in the world. And so that search for truth is really important. I don't want to hide from it, but I also feel like I find that truth better when I can balance that on that uh, ground of faith that I have. Um, Mm. I need to step back and see that bigger picture that includes that, you know, God is holding us all in love. And that makes a difference to the way I see things. So joy is not like a frivolous pursuit right now. 
I don't think. I think it's a really important thing that we need to look for in our lives so that then we can approach those challenges with a little bit of perspective and levity and hopefully some deep wisdom. Yeah. It feels like joy and hope probably always, but especially right now are very linked. You know, the part of the reason we can have joy now is because we're hoping for something that's going to be better in the future, either heaven or when we can all, when the world can be healthy again and we can be, you know, because if if there was no hope, it'd be hard to be joyful about something. It seems like, because what would you find that was joyful if there wasn't something? I don't know. I mean, that's the way that I feel right now. It seems very linked, at least to me. Sure. Sitting where I am on, you know, May 26th, 2020. (laughs) Well, I do think that Christians always have to grapple with the now and the not yet. Mm -hmm. In one sense, since Jesus has come and Jesus said, I came that your joy may be complete. And so when we know Jesus, we can know joy now in our lives. And yet there is also that sense that God continues to lead us forward. And there is something more to this journey on which we are traveling. And we can be hopeful about where God is leading us because we trust that God is good. So I think as suggested by Jesus, joy begins in love and is made complete as we give and receive love with God and with one another. And uh, that's that J-O-Y. And I think it's a good lesson, especially if we can think of it dynamically, knowing that God is all around us and this dance is ongoing. So now our time is up, I think, and our joy is complete. Thank you, Adam, for being with me today. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I I look forward to getting to hear hear how it turns out and maybe getting to talk with you again on here sometime. Yeah, I hope so too. So thank all of you for spending this time with us today. As a reminder, please do send in your questions and comments and ideas. We do hope that you will join us again next time because it wouldn't be J-O-Y without you. Thank you. This is a production of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanks to Stephen Vano, who composed and performed our theme music, and to Heidi Soule, our producer.